Welcome to Headliners, the podcast. This is the paper review that won't put you to sleep. You can catch us live every night from 11 on GB News with a panel of top-notch comedians going through the biggest stories hitting the next day's papers. But don't worry, if you miss it, you can catch up here after every show. So let's do it. Welcome to Headliners. I'm Mark Dolan and welcome to Headliners, the show where we join hands and gaily romp through the day's news with our very finest comedy boots on. Joining me throughout the undulating topical landscape are Miriam Elia, top comedian, and through the perilous satirical pitfalls, it's Leo Curse. Now, great to have you both with us. Let's start with tomorrow's front pages. And here's what the mail have to offer. It's Saturday's mail. They're splashing with Beergate, day 10. They won't let this go, will they? Now it's Slippery Starmer in crisis. First, he fails to win back the Red Wall. Then police launch investigation into his beer and curry nights, <laughs> just like the probe that led him to piously demand Boris's head. And Meghan and Harry Jubilee balcony ban. Flying in, the Sussexes will attend the Jubilee but won't appear alongside the Queen on the balcony of Buckingham Palace. Next up, the Daily Telegraph. Victory for Sinn Féin stokes United Ireland fears. Nationalists on course to be the biggest party in Stormont for the first time. What might be the implications for the union? Sussexes will be here, but not on the balcony. The Telegraph running with that royal story as well. And police in Durham now investigating Beergate, a topic we'll be discussing with my brilliant panel tonight. In The Independent next, police investigate Starmer's COVID beers. And Tory MPs warn Johnson has lost public's trust. Leadership questions as election losses blamed on the PM. The Guardian next, PM blamed for Tory election disasters. And Starmer, police to investigate lockdown breach. The FT weekend, Johnson faces renewed threat as Tories hit hard in the local elections. The Daily Mirror, Jubilee bombshell snubbed, no balcony invite for Andrew, Harry and Meg, but couple to bring Lilibet to meet the Queen. The Times on Saturday, Tories punished in South, Conservative MPs voiced doubts about Johnson's leadership as hundreds of council seats are lost and police inquiry into Starmer's office beer. <laughs> Daily Express next. Bullish Boris back on track as Red Wall keeps faith. PM vows to deliver for Britain after better than expected election results. The Sun next. Are you going to Corma quietly, sir? Calls grow for hypocrite to quit. <laughs> They're not pulling their punches. This is Harry Cole, the political editor of The Sun. Hypocrite Sir Keir Starmer was facing demands to quit last night after police began an inquiry into his lockdown beer and curry nights. Durham cops said significant new information had emerged about a breach of COVID rules at Labour's HQ. And last but not least in the Daily Star, Struth, hard up Brits, heading down under to escape the cost-of-living crisis. 670% rise in online searches 
for Australian visas. A new generation of £10 POMs are heading down under to beat the cost of living crisis. Only this time, it will cost a bit more than a tenner. And those are your front pages. And let's go straight to Saturday's Daily Mail and Sir Keir Starmer. Oh, how the mighty have fallen, Leo. Well, yeah, he hasn't fallen yet, but it's looking, it's looking dicey for him. He's after. wobbling, isn't he? We well, spent weeks hammering the Tories, hammering <laughs> Boris Johnson for apparently having, you know, a party or a series of parties with, you know, the odd glass of wine or a surprise birthday cake. And we saw photos, you know, there's photos in the garden, which actually looked like a good, pl good place to have a party in a pandemic because it's, it's uh, you know, in the okay. fresh air, so the virus can't can't transmit, it can only And also, cheap red days. wine kills all bugs, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the, the stuff you're going to be able to afford uh, as, a, as a parliamentary aid isn't, isn't going to be... It's going to be... Jacob's Creek it should be the ultimate vaccine. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think they were hosing each other down in it. But uh, so, so after being incredibly pious and, and hammering this point that the Tories broke the rules that they, they set... Um, it turns out that, that Keir Starmer is looking like he also breached lockdown rules. So there's there's video of him, uh, you know, through a window having a beer. It's not the most exciting. Uh, is that I mean, when we say it's a party, uh, it's you know these things are relative. It's a party with Keir Starmer at it, so it's a rubbish party. Uh, and they, they ordered curry and all the rest of it. But yeah, so Durham Constabulary are saying they've received new information, so they're they're proceeding with an investigation. Yeah, it's not exactly 24-hour party people. My thought, Miriam, is I don't care about Partygate or Beergate. My no. objection is the foolish rules in the first place, yeah. which, which I think were, were nonsensical. Well, it was like banning people from being a human being. Right. Based on absolutely nothing. Exactly, um, but here and, comes... And then this gravitas of it being science. So you've broken a science experiment. Yeah, exactly <laughs> so, right. Hold on, this isn't the law, this is a science experiment. And yeah. he and then, decided not yeah. to participate in the science experiment, which, by the way, is anyone's right. Well, that's right. <laughs> and, and that's why, you know, when, when Partygate broke as a story, yeah. you know, I, I did say on my programme that, that I thought that it was, it was bad for legislators to tell us to do one thing and then yeah. do quite the opposite themselves. No, that's immoral. Hypocrisy and immoral. But really, the crime for me was, was the actual rules themselves. Yeah. Uh, and I would let this one go, which is a beer after work for Keir Starmer, if he hadn't been so pious and so hand-wringing about Partygate himself. And that's why he's got to face justice. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's I not think... about the beer. It's not about the party. It's about you creating a whole new set of rules for structured society, about controlling a virus with no weight weighted scientific evidence behind what you're doing. You're basically stopping people from visiting their own mum on her deathbed, yet you're having a curry. It's just... It's completely, like, balmy? Yeah, cuckoo. Cuckoo. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and they were both having a go at each other. I was like, oh, no, I'm no, no, the no, bigger Puritan. Sorry, no, 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 I'm the bigger Puritan. No, I have to correct. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got some sympathy with the Tories because they didn't want to bring in the rules. Boris didn't want to bring in the rules. He didn't want to lock down Britain. He wanted the, you know, the economy to, to carry on and everybody to have their freedoms. But he had to because we're a nation of absolute crybabies. <laughs> they want the government to come around and wipe our bums for us. So he had to bring these rules in. But Labour were like, oh, we want more of these rules. Instead of acting like an opposition, they were like, no, do this bit, but do more of it. Do harder. Come on, do what you're doing, but do it worse. And that's why I think, you know, Keir Starmer, really, he would have brought in, we would still be in lockdown. We'd still be, like, sealed into a tomb in our house being fed through a tube if Labour were in power. I mean, luckily, they'll never be in power again. But if they ever did get in power, you know, can you imagine?
Yeah, uh, Miriam, by the way, I I'd like to contradict you. I don't think the rules were balmy or bonkers. They were the science, brackets, <laughs> TM. <laughs> What's that? Can someone please write to me and tell me exactly what this the science is? Because you can't, because there's no such thing. There's no official uh, consensus on any scientific uh, uh, method or, or, you know, you, you can't... There's, it's not the Bible, it's not a... Well, completely. There is some um, controversy, by the way, about the timing of Durham Police's announcement that yeah. this investigation into Beergate would happen. Robert Peston from ITV mm. has said it will anger many that before polling day, Durham Constabulary started an investigation. Before polling day, the investigation began into whether Keir Starmer's beer drinking on the 30th of April last year breached COVID rules, but was only disclosed today. Many would say that was material information that might have influenced the outcome of the local elections. Absolutely, but Absolutely. I mean, the, the local elections didn't go very well for Labour. They didn't get the you know the huge swing to, to Labour that they were expecting. I mean, if anything, you know, the swing the, there was a swing away from the Tories, but it went to the to the Lib Dems. Mm. Yeah. Um, how do you see this playing out? I mean, do you think that Keir Starmer will be fined by the authorities? And if so, does he resign? I think there will be a few fines. I don't think anybody's going to resign over this. No. Uh, I don't think anybody cares anymore, to be honest. I think this is the last we'll really... I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, some people are going to hammer on about it, but nobody cares. Everybody understands. You know, Boris, Keir Starmer, everybody has a beer after work, especially when you're dealing, you know, working long hours in a high-pressure environment. Of course you're going to have a, have a beer at work. Uh, <laughs> but it's the fact that Keir Starmer was so pious about yeah. it and really wanted to hammer, really wanted to nail Boris Johnson to the wall over this. So now he needs to take some nails himself. Yeah, yeah there you go. And on that Christ-like image, let's move on <laughs> to Saturday's sun. And the Queen has had it up to here with these pesky kids, Miriam. Yes, she has basically banned uh, Harry, Meghan and Andrew from coming to her Jubilee, uh, Platinum Jubilee um, celebration. And she's basically implied that they would turn it into a circus. Well, that's right. They're not going on the balcony. No. The argument from the palace is that they're not actively working as royals. Right. But it's still going to hurt, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's a burn, don't you think? Oh, poor them. Oh, oh liberal tears. Oh, <laughs> oh crying. Do, do you think the Queen did the right thing? I mean, do, do you think that, yeah. given the fact that, that this couple have been slagging off the royal family from the luxury of their Montecito mansion... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe I'm peddling this kind of woke, this woke nonsense that everyone seems to be swallowing. Uh, yeah. She's like the queen of that. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I think it's probably logic, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you know, am I wrong? Yeah. yeah. I mean, Tell it's, me if it's I'm another, wrong. It's another stump for for Megan, who uh, is all, also is also getting snubbed by. I think uh, Spotify dropped her uh, dropped one of her things. Yes, uh, and there was right. a thing Pearl. I don't know if that was on Spotify. That was on Netflix. Netflix that's right. The series was yeah. dropped. Yeah. So uh, Netflix, you know, gave her a hundred, a hundred million dollars uh, for content before oh she'd even God. made anything, which is a terrible idea. You know, give Honey. give half up front and then half at the end. So where do you think they're going to go if they're not on the balcony? Uh, there is a very good Weatherspoons around the corner from the palace, <laughs> and I'm just trying to work out. That's like it's... sacrilege to the woke. Those are the worst, yeah, that's true. That's the worst possible. Very place. sort of very Brexity pub, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Exactly. Weatherspoons. Uh, but if they're lucky, if the Jubilee's on a Thursday, that's that's actually Curry Thursday. It's Curry Thursday, mm. yes. Yeah, so so chicken tikka there. masala rice and a pint for 
Last time I was in Weatherspoons, all of the days, because it used to be on different days, yeah. but they were having all of the days every day. So you could get your, your steak, your fish and chips, your curry. It was amazing. Why, it's, anything it's you wanted. Whenever literally. You, capitalism in action. It was like America in the 1980s. It's, it's, the, best, it's the best pub on the planet. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> Unlike, uh, I mean, I think Harry and Meghan, they've, they've sort of become this sort of uh, almost like a, a rubbish Kardashians. Um, <laughs> an inbred Kardashians. A circus. Yeah. As, a circus. As, yeah, I'd like it if the Royal Family did. They were, if they were privatised and turned into some sort of circus. <laughs> where, uh, you know, instead of going around a, in a little uh, chariot and waving out the window, uh, there was like 30 of them came out of a tiny chariot. <laughs> well, we can but dream. Uh, we'll move on to rather important politics that affect the union now. This is in The Guardian, Saturday's Guardian, Leo. Sinn Féin, now a seriously powerful force in Northern Ireland. Yeah, I mean, they always were, but they never had a majority in, in the parliament in, uh, in Stormont in Northern Ireland. So Sinn Féin, they're the, um, they're the Republican. Uh, they, they want Northern Ireland to rejoin with the Republic of Ireland. United Ireland. Uh, United Ireland. United and they, Ireland. they appear on track to become the largest party in Northern Ireland's Stormont Assembly in the parliament. Uh, so projections put Sinn Féin ahead of the Democratic Unionist Party. So Sinn Féin have got, I think it's 29%. And the DUP have got 21.3%. So we're still waiting for the final results, I think. But uh, if it's confirmed, it would allow the party to make history and uh, deliver a shock to unionism, which has always, I believe, had a, a majority uh, in the party by um, having Michelle O'Neill, uh, the Sinn Féin leader, as, as first minister. Um, so, yeah, I mean, another, another thing that's sort of lost in the, in the details is the centrist alliance, which is for people who identify as neither unionists uh, nor Republicans uh, who don't, you know, who want a sort of more progressive uh, centrist Ireland uh, or Northern Ireland mm. uh, got 13.5%, which is a big boost for them. Um, and looking at it, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure that Ireland actually wants Northern Ireland to rejoin. I'm not sure, uh, like Ireland, the Republic of Ireland is incredibly prosperous now. Um, I spent a lot, a lot of time there. It's an amazing country and uh, doing really well. But to have these extra six counties and to have to, to look after them, that would be a big cost And for them. the inevitable sectarian conflict that would emerge. The, because the, re, the unionist population of, of Northern Ireland would be deeply unhappy. Yeah, and I'm not sure that uh, the North really want to be unified because they'd lose all the, the stuff they get from being part of the UK, so uh, you know, free medical care, which you don't get in the Republic of Ireland. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how this plays out. There's 35% uh, apparently support for, for a border poll. Um, so that's, you know, equivalent of 35% um, uh, want the Northern Ireland to, to rejoin. So, and a border poll is essentially an independence referendum. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, yeah. But voters have ranked the cost of living and health services their, their chief concerns. But obviously, this, is, this campaign has been dominated and really been driven. This, this shift has been driven by the post-Brexit Northern Ireland Protocol. Uh, so it puts a trade border in the Irish Sea and there's a contest, uh, you know, between Sinn Féin and DUP. So they've, they've really exploited this, uh, this Brexit, the, just all the difficulties that Brexit has brought for Northern Ireland and, and, the, and um, the, the sort of trade and borders with, uh, with the Republican... Republic, Republic, <laughs> Republic, Republic of Ireland. I've been talking for too long. <laughs> somebody else have a go? Well, <laughs> you seem to we... know a lot about that, the situation, so... Uh, yeah, here at GB News, we've got so many viewers in Northern Ireland. Yes, hi. And <laughs> many of them 
would be horrified at the idea of not being part of the United Kingdom anymore. Fair so enough. there's trouble brewing, isn't there? There is trouble. But, but there's all, I mean, that's what you think of when you think of Ireland. Really? <laughs> well, it's quite trouble. Any examples History. of that in the past? <laughs> Maybe one or two. Um, I look, I'm not, a, I, I'm not an expert on Irish um, politics. Well, but it doesn't stop I, people commenting. I think, you know, yeah, it, it would seem so. I, I don't think it would be, like, an easy... Thing for the whole country to unite. Yeah. I think there would probably be quite a lot of resistance because oh, yeah. those those kind of separations quite deep. Well, quite yeah, long. and also here's the point, uh, Leo. In your area of expertise is Scottish politics. You're a proud Scotsman yourself. That I always I'm a proud I'm, British yeah, and a Brit, right? British Scotsman. But I I'm at pains to remind people when it comes to the debate around Scottish independence that a vote for the SNP does not necessarily mean a vote for independence. Yeah. And that you can't just assume that because Nicola Sturgeon is so politically successful in Scotland that that means everyone that votes for her wants out. And yes. that could be the same for Sinn Féin well, and Well, yeah, the, the SNP, people could be voting for the SNP because they want terrible education, terrible <laughs> health service, you know, terrible uh, But it's true, isn't it? It's, it's not... A vote for SNP is not a mini-referendum, is it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's still, there still seems to be, north and south, there still seems to be, uh, you know, no massive push or desire for, for reunification. Um, and, but it's, it's just... I mean, it's crazy to see Sinn Féin, you know, Gerry Adams, who's been linked yeah. to, to murders... And things, you know, back when the, when the IRA was a, was active and you know was a terrorist organisation. I mean, it makes you wonder: in twenty years' time, is Abu Hamza going to be <laughs> running for parliament somewhere and, and getting in? In this crazy bonkers world, anything could happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, you do wonder about that, don't you? Um, also, that remarkable moment when Martin McGuinness, who was the commander in chief of the IRA, shook hands with the British monarch, mm. shook hands with the Queen. Uh, but this is a great argument, isn't it, Miriam? Before we get to our last story of this, of this break, that mm. when I was growing up, I'm, you're both younger than I am, but I remember growing up, and the argument was, you know, to the IRA and to all terrorists, which is, get your message across through democratic means, OK? Mm. Bombs will not win the argument. Yeah. Votes will. Mm. Uh, but it, it felt like sort of just empty hyperbole at the time. But here we are now. Yeah. You know, love or hate the Republican cause, yeah. Sinn Féin are there democratically, and that's huge progress, isn't it? That is, yeah. That yeah. is. Long, long may it continue. So, no more nails in dustbins. There you go. Uh, if, if you are watching in... <laughs> no more nails in dustbins. She doesn't pull her punches <laughs> Um, if you are watching in Northern Ireland, then it's uh, just wonderful to have your company. And if you're enjoying the show and GB News, tell your friends, tell your family, and let's change the world together. Saturday's Mail Now, and forget bats, cows and birds as sources of the next pandemic. What could it be, Miriam? So, uh, there's a, a mysterious hepatitis outbreak in children. Um, so, another 18 have been struck down with this really strange type of hepatitis that creates liver disease, and the health chiefs are trying to figure out whether it's dogs that are, that are creating this. Nice. Um, so, pet dogs are being probed as a potential cause, um, and there's, like, a high number of these sickened uh, children. I don't know. I don't know if I'm swallowing this, that suddenly dogs are giving children liver disease. Maybe it's something else. Yeah. yeah. When, when are we going to lock down for these, uh, for these kids? <laughs> <laughs> Tomorrow? What's the plan? And obviously shoot the dogs. Quarantine, yeah. Did you see what they did in China it, with the dogs? China. If Do someone got Kyra and they'd actually... I've seen the footage of dogs in plastic bags, like... It's, it's, it's very, very it's sad, sold, obviously. It's yeah. at Tesco. Well, yeah, uh, it's a crazy that what people do in the name of health and safety. I mean, it's... Uh, obviously, you know, I'm really sad to hear that, that the kids aren't well and I do hope that their symptoms are not too serious. Yes. Obviously, it does sound like quite a concerning condition. Yeah, um, but, 300 uh, cases. Yeah, yeah, 300 cases. You, you do wonder how this one's going to play out. Yeah. Yeah.
Yeah. Absolutely. Um... Well, there you go. Um, lots to get through in the next section. Delighted that my team have put together some great stories from tomorrow's papers. We've got some challenging stories ahead, but some fun as well. I've been to the Comedy Mountaintop and I've seen the promised land. And we'll get you there in about two minutes time. Light and shade, that's what Headliners is all about. See you in two. Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's papers with me, Mark Dolan. Now, there's an old saying, which is, never meet your heroes. Well, luckily, that's not happening tonight because I'm joined by Miriam, Aliyah and Leo Kurse, who are just ordinary people, I would call colleagues. Saturday's Telegraph. <laughs> and uh, let's have a look at this. We know that too many cups of coffee can be hazardous to your health, yeah. Miriam. Yes. But how about coffee from a certain factory? Well, this is an amazing story, actually. Um, cocaine worth £40 million was discovered in coffee bags at a Nespresso. Nespresso now, that would be £40 million quid, just to quantify that. That would be yeah. two nights in a hotel room with... with um... <laughs> What's his face? Johnny Depp. Am I safe to say oh, that? Only one night. Um, the massive haul of cocaine was found so stuffed into the shipment, not in the coffee, but in the shipment. So pe people are kind of obviously opening their coffee, going, "God, is there coke in there?" But no, it's not, they didn't go in there. It's from underneath the probably in the in the in the pallets or something. Uh, but still, it's one of the largest drugs busts ever, and I love it. It's like a story out of the 1970s. It makes you think of men in white Panama hats. And big moustaches. It really and, does. You know, yeah. with the eighty, with the eighty Sophisticated, sophisticated drug dealers. Yeah, I miss these kind of stories. Yeah, well, the people for whom it was a science, a real exacting <laughs> science. Well, I feel like every every week there's a new story about cocaine being found smuggled. Last week it was uh, it was in a stuffed reindeer. We covered a story and there's cocaine uh, in a in a stuffed uh, stuffed reindeer. And I just feel let down that I'm 45 years old and I've never found $40 million worth of cocaine anywhere. Like washed up in a beach or in a stuffed toy or, you know, in a, in a bottle of uh, ornamental beads from... I will, I will pray for you that you're... Well, I've got to happens. say, full, full, disclosure, <laughs> full disclosure, folks, I've been a keen drugs mule for years. Really? And it really brings down uh, the cost of a two-week trip to Tenerife. <laughs> <laughs> Claire de la Americas is not is Were not you cheap. taking the drugs there or bringing them back? Yeah, they don't, they don't make it past the airport, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> Now, this one from The Times seems like two steps forward and one step back for medical science, Leo. Yeah, so this is about uh, a man, uh, David Bennett Sr., 57, from the US state of Maryland. So he, he died uh, in March, unfortunately, but it was two months after he had this experimental transplant of a pig heart. So they transplanted uh, a pig heart into him to see if it would work. Um, and it did work. I mean, he had to take uh, medication uh, to suppress the... Because, obviously, your body wants to reject it because it's, uh, it's a foreign protein. Mm. Um, but it, it worked, I mean, for, for, for two months, which is, you know, that's, that's pretty good. I mean, he was, he was a guinea pig, no, no pun intended. Uh, but they've <laughs> now found that, um, that yeah, he... They, they don't know if this killed him. They don't know if this killed him. But he was carrying um, an animal virus from the pig. So it was uh, porcine... Or porcine, porcine cyto <laughs> cytomegalovirus, oh, uh, no. which is my drag queen name, um, and it caused it caused an active infection in him, and uh, so you know I don't know if it caused his death, but it could have contributed to it. Yeah, I've got a statement here actually. It's yeah. uh, it's very sad. His last words were, "Oink oink." So, <laughs> a man has died, Mark. <laughs> Please. And of course, every death is a tragedy. That's exactly right. 
No, God bless him. Poor guy. Pretty, pretty poor guy. Let, let's hope that the yeah. two... Uh, just... I mean, that's another thing. We were talking about progress in politics. What about progress in science and mm. getting an animal's heart into your body? The idea that that would give you life for an extra three seconds is already miraculous. Was yeah. that So that's a freak thing? They've never done it before, pig heart transplant? I've not heard... That, there's, that not, there's not thing? much of it about, about the... it. They've done uh, other things using... But they use the actual frame of the uh, of the organ, uh, right. rather. I think this is... They, they took the actual yeah. organ. So other, other times they've, they've brought broken down the sort of proteins and stuff and okay. left the left the actual frame of the whatever it is yeah. and, and put it in the person but this is this is the whole pig heart so the pig muscle is is beating okay yeah that's just not going to work is it and, and i think the I mean I'm not, I'm not a scientist but I, you know if you got me in there and, and they were like look <laughs> What we're going to do, this is the first time, are you up for it? We're up for it. But the pig's heart in a man's heart, I just think, you this, know... This is progress. He's a goner. He lived for two months. <laughs> I mean, the first person to have an iron lung or whatever probably didn't make it past two months. This, is, this is progress. So, And, and they used uh, DNA techniques to, to make sure... Uh, the pig heart wouldn't be uh, as rejectable by... Yeah. by I think if well, you were dating yeah. someone that had a pig's heart, would that be a, a sort of put-off? It's, I mean, it's not kosher. Would you... Well, that's, <laughs> that's a big factor, isn't it? Would it, it be, is or what big. about halal? I mean, you get halal definitely kidneys now. Definitely not. Halal kidneys, no. Definitely wouldn't want us to if, be if you, if you would like, I mean, would you, Are there any body, body parts of, like, an animal that you... you... Oh, I'd love it if somebody had some foie gras. Just, uh, <laughs> yeah. Then I could, I could save money on the meal. If I was dating somebody with a foie gras liver, just slice a bit it's off, a bad shot, fry it, it up in the back. You do is wonder, this, you look at the new, animal Is this kingdom. the new trans thing, then? Trans animal? Well, yeah. That, have I, I just invented something? It's a chimera. Trans um, animal. I'm kind of morphing into the animal well, kingdom. Funny you should say that, Miriam, because <laughs> I made a Channel 4 documentary series yeah. called The World's Most Extraordinary People and Me that wasn't remotely exploitative. Right. <laughs> and I met the world's tallest woman, the smallest man, and I met a guy called Dennis Avner who was called the cat man. The cat man. And he felt Whiskers. that he was feline. Right. Okay, so he wasn't like, he wasn't saying, he wasn't changing gender, he was still a boy, but he was a boy cat. Hmm. And his <laughs> family, was he? he was a bit in his 40s, his family were um, Native Americans. Right. And for Native Americans, cats are totemic. So okay. he didn't just like come up with this out of thin air. But actually, when it comes to the trans discussion or trans yeah. debate, if, if we're going to say that you, you're born in a man's body and you identify as a female, we, we all sort of right. you know, celebrate that, acknowledge right. it, uh, surely you can change species, species right? Trans no. species. Or, or race. No, it's Why different. Not? Uh, because gender, different? <laughs> gender is uh, you know, seen as a social construct, whereas uh, species... Huh? Like, you can't change uh. your biological sex. No. You can change your, your gender. There are probably nutters out there that could argue that even species are a construct. True. Mm. I mean, if you were raised by wolves. Exactly. Well, that's white privilege, isn't yeah. it? But you know, Catman. <laughs> oh, no, you know, don't Catman say that. moved to Nepal. Mm. And then what did Catman do? <laughs> oh, who knew? <laughs> There you go. Love that. Did you just make that? You do wonder, oh, yeah. you do wonder what, what, <laughs> what parts you'd take from other animals, wouldn't you? It's, it's, yeah. Mind boggles. I'm wondering whether there are one or two things I could borrow from a donkey. We're going to comment on that. Next up, in The Independent, every bachelor's worst nightmare, Miriam. Oh, so this, this, this woman secretly poked a hole in her partner's condom to get pregnant. Um, oh, no. <laughs> did a bit of a sieve. Bit of a sieve while he wasn't looking. Did he not notice? I, I don't know. See, I, I would do that if I was intimate with Bill Gates. Yeah. My, my, the condoms we use would have more holes than... 
So Why basically, she. I, this is he's, a. He's rich. This is a oh. difficult one. He's a 42-year-old man dating a 39-year-old woman. So a woman that is at the end of her biological. She's in a hurry. She needs to get pregnant. If you go out with a friends with benefits situation with a girl in her late 30s, she might just might be desperate to have a child. Even though she wouldn't say it, she might be desperate to have a child. So I kind of have some empathy with her, even though it's a callous thing to do, you know. So anyway, the German. Uh, German courts have uh, sentenced her and given her... It's a terrible story, she actually. She it's funny, actually... but it's terrible. She didn't actually get pregnant. She didn't get pregnant. She lied. So um, she said that she ha she was pregnant and then he put court order on her and then... Could you explain for, for people like me that are stuck in the past, what does but friends with benefits mean? I have no idea. Really? I think Scotland it's one of these... Uh, in Scotland, it's when you, um, you go and sign on together. <laughs> oh, of course it is. Of course it is. It's that one of these right. emotionally detached words that makes us live in this construct where women don't develop deep emotional bonds with the person mm. that they're sleeping with so that they have to kind of lie to themselves that they're all as emotionally detached as men and it's mm. all fine and we're all the so same it's, it's and everything's much, equal. So friends with benefits... Uh, and actually, is, the reality is you're devastated because you want the partner for life, particularly at 39. Mm. So friends with benefits is, yeah. a, is a male construct superimposed on no, no, women. I didn't say it's a male construct. I said it's a, it's, it's a societal construct, a kind of current trend, let's say. But perhaps... A perhaps... word that makes something feel more detached mm. than and... it is. And they've made it... Because um, if I say it, if you say the word, then you, you believe the scenario. They've made yeah. it a, a sort of new thing. Well, they've tried to sort of rebrand it as uh, polyamory or uh, ethical non-monogamy. So when I, was, like, I met my wife last year, but before that I was on dating apps, and there's a lot of people, a lot of women talking about ethical non-monogamy. But then you get to talk to them about it and they don't actually want it. It's just whatever he's <laughs> doing. We used to just call it being a massive whorebag, and uh, <laughs> that was fine. But now they've got to call it ethical non-monogamy <laughs> because it's all progress and, you know, feminism. Yeah, a lot of this is just taking the same experience and rebranding it with a word that makes it sound less judgmental. Uh, very briefly on this particular <laughs> case, I was fascinated in reading about it just before we came on air, yeah. that this couple, they had a casual relationship. The, the agreement was, the sort of, the deal was, look, we're not going to have any emotional commitment, we're just going to enjoy... Yeah, and the, the woman's like, yeah, yeah, sure, bring yeah, on, yeah, fine, on. great. Right. As she, as she perforated <laughs> her... Uh, <laughs> like a voodoo doll. Right. Yeah, like, like a kind of... One there, one there. I hope she didn't do it when it was on. <laughs> but um, do you think that he was a bit harsh in calling the cops, because now this woman's in jail. Yeah, I think that's that's a bit of an overreach. Take it a bit far. I understand that it it was it's 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 kind of refreshing to see a story about a woman being an abuser in some way, yes. which is nice. It's a nice balance there. Well, he, this, because you this, constantly get told the I men totally are the abusers, the women are the victims, and blah blah blah. Wait, wait till so you hear least... about wait till you hear about Amber Heard. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, you, you, do, uh, you do wonder um, in, in terms of uh, how that will play out. Apparently, this woman was that close to being done for rape, <gasps> for statutory rape. But can she... She's not pregnant anyway. So, no, but I so guess it no, was, sort no... of, you know, a sort of form of abuse or whatever. But anyway, a uh, fascinating story. Uh, we have reached the end of part two, or second base, if you will. When we get back, it will be time for third base, where we will hopefully unclasp areas explore each other's ideas and just maybe expose our sensitive parts to each other as a group. I'm basically talking about me and Leo. See you in two minutes. <laughs> Well,
Welcome back to Headliners, a first look at tomorrow's front pages in the company of myself, Mark Dolan, and two of my paid friends, Miriam Elia and Leo Kurs. <laughs> uh, next, the woman who nudged protesters with her Range Rover. Remember her? Well, The Telegraph has the latest, Leo. Yeah, so she's been convicted. Uh, so she was on the school run, taking her kids to school, and she nudged. In insulate Britain were blocking the road, and she just nudged them slightly with a Range Rover, which doesn't seem the, the worst thing to, to do. Uh, and she, she pleaded guilty uh, to dangerous driving, and she's been disqualified from driving for a year and ordered to pay a £240 uh, fine. So that's a £40 fine and then a £95 victim surcharge and £105 in costs, which is probably the most that protesters earn in a year. Uh, and it just seems it seems unfair. I mean, if, if she ran over, if she ran over an Extinction Rebellion or Insulate Britain <laughs> protester, that would reduce that person's carbon footprint to zero, which is surely what they want. What they want. So why don't they encourage more Range Rovers to drive <laughs> over these protesters? <laughs> and then we can all, then with the, the amount of carbon we've saved, we yeah. can all get V8s. <laughs> this in contrast, Miriam, to how the police handled the Insulate Britain protesters early in the pandemic. Softly, softly. F footage of female police officers saying, are you guys OK? Do you need a drink? Do you want something to eat? Do you want a eat? hot chocolate? Whereas yeah. with the freedom protesters, they were like, get in the van, you bastards. Let's assault a people like a, a an old quote. person. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they seem to have, like, uh, ideological, um, uh, you know, um, framework woke that they're police. woke. They are, yeah, they're basically, they have certain groups that are good to protest and certain groups that are vile spreaders of disease. Mm -hmm. They, yeah, they've completely, they could, to me, they've kind of lost the plot morally in their treatment of people. Yeah, um, we saw that, didn't we, with the Sarah Everard so, vigil as well? Yes, yeah, mm -hmm. that was, this, so this is more like a, so as a single parent mother trying to get to work, uh, she's on antidepressants, she's come out of a 12 year abusive relationship. She's obviously mentally unstable. You follow her on Instagram, right? I, no, I've just read to the end of the oh, article. Okay. Sounds like uh, you've been to the pub with I, that. I know how hard it is being a mother and how tough it is, uh, but I obviously don't think you should run over any protester ever. But I, uh, but I think they're making an example out of her to sort of... It, it's a... Uh, what do you call it when you kind of eulogise... Uh, to, to, scapegoat. Yeah, to scapegoat somebody and to kind of, again, uh, give this the environmental movement more um, uh, sort of sacred air about it. Oh, yeah, <laughs> How dare you? These people are suffering because we're all going to die. Right. So it's... it's a, you deify them, you, you lionise them. You deify them, you lionise certain groups and then mm -hmm. other groups you vilify mm -hmm. and that feeds the public narrative. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that deification means that they're beyond any kind of rational debate. Yeah. When they really shouldn't be sitting yeah. in the middle of a motorway. Because they use emotion to blindside you. They use emotion and this deification and this kind of uh, illusion of suffering for your for planet Earth. It's, it's religious. It's totally religious. And, and uh, they use that as a kind of way of shutting down any kind of coherent debate. So anybody that dares go near them mm. is this awful evil person, even though she shouldn't have done it. She shouldn't have done it, but... And we've seen... But I'm saying the history. story is amplified for a reason. It's yeah. not just... It, it's not a... It's, nothing is kind of arbitrary. And in history, we've seen some of the worst tyranny with the idea that we've got right on our side. It's mm. for oh, your own good. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. means justify the ends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's no self-reflection yeah. with people like, uh, you know, Extinction Rebellion, any wokists. They, they no. all think that they're righteous, they're doing the good cause, 
This is for, uh, you know, they're moving towards a utopia. So any, anybody, anybody that gets hurt in the, in the way, uh, that's justifiable. I so know. they can, they can cancel what... people, they can get people fired from their jobs, they can bully people to suicide, yeah. they can block the road when people are trying to get to work. Yeah, they're, they're quite malevolent, really. I actually saw a poster of them today and it said, you know, love planet Earth or something. And, and in the O it was a skull, a death skull. <laughs> Right. So the word love with a death skull in yeah. the middle, I was like, whoa, that's a kind of jarring uh, thing yeah. to look at. Uh, maybe that's quite revealing. And I've, I've received some of the worst abuse online from people uh, who proudly state on their Twitter biography, hashtag be kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they say it in a kind of what's that film Goodfellas with the mafia like you know kind of be kind oh, show yeah. me some respect it's yeah. like well isn't it a bit like Glasgow <laughs> where if someone says hey pal and it's hey, like they don't mean that they're your friend yeah, yeah. Yeah. The word pal has got... They use these sentimental... It's all this sentimental um, uh, language to cover up a deep, kind of quite menacing thing. Yeah, a menacing subtext. Mm -hmm. You might have to recalibrate who the good and bad guys are after all. Mm -hmm. Saturday's Daily Mail, and it's another day, another attempt at diversity quotas, Leo. Oh, yeah, so this is... Uh, so. Um, the head of the Royal Shakespeare Company has said that only disabled actors should play Richard III. Mm. So he's the he's the king in the Shakespearean play who is uh, is hunchbacked and and, and crippled. Although uh, apparently he might not have been uh, as as badly affected as that in, in real life. Um, but Gregory Doran, who's been in charge of the Royal Shakespeare Company for ten years. Um, and whose late husband gave us several performances using a crutch, said that it, it wouldn't be appropriate for a, a non-disabled, an able-bodied person to, to play Richard the, the Third now. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I, I think, where does this end? I mean, do we end with only Richard the Third being allowed to play Richard the Third? <laughs> it's, it's a nonsense. You're an actor. People call yeah, Richard. Well, yeah, that's the whole Disabled point, people yeah. call Richard, I think, is the answer, surely. This, this is the cult of lived experience, which means that if somebody is is a certain race or disability or whatever, that they have a more authentic experience. So therefore, there can't really be any art. It just has to be their suffering that's on, on display. Then they want this kind of... They're, they're searching for this kind of authentic suffering. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, it's not to say that there aren't a lot of disabled actors out there that are brilliant, and I do think that there should be more, actually. <laughs> but I was thinking about this, you know, you want to be on a on in a play or on, in a movie or whatever because you're a good actor, mm. not because you have a disability. You, have, you want to be a good actor. That's the most important thing. An actor's so, become somebody that they're not. Yes. Surely. Yeah, and that's the whole point. Yes. Yeah. You're acting. You're playing something you that would you're think. not. Yeah. And if you're talking about lived experience, I mean, I think the lived experience that would inform this role more than you know having a, a twisted spine or whatever Richard III had is, is being a medieval monarch. So, have we got any medieval monarchs who can play this role? So, no, because we're in the 20... Is it the 21st century now? I lose yeah. track. 22nd. Well, we not, we're in the 22nd century. Robin, Robin Williams... Well, it feels like the 18th at the moment. Robin Williams, the wonderful comedy actor, he played a gay character in The Birdcage, a memorable performance. Yeah. A very affectionate portrait of a gay man. Yeah. Um, the, American, that, the American sitcom, Modern Family, I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. But the main gay character is a really funny, chubby guy called Cam, I think his name is. Anyway, it turns out he's played by a straight guy. Right. But his portrayal of a gay character in that show has been transformative 
for the perception of gay people in American society. Does it matter that he's gay or not? Well, right, he's a straight actor pretending to be gay who has essentially created much more acceptance and indeed enthusiasm for gay marriage and gay relationships. Mm. So, go figure. And also, I'm seeing so many people, especially in the, in the arts, are identifying as queer, despite never having had any same-sex so what, what does queer mean? It's just a made-up thing that means you can get on the LGBTQ <laughs> acronym and get some privilege points. Is it the same as pansexual? Does it mean you'll do anyone? Because that's me. <laughs> no, it just means... It literally just means... Anything. Uh, yeah. Just means I mean, if you left me alone <laughs> with a pig's heart, I reckon I could do some damage. <laughs> that might be why it failed. I might be able to slide into one of those aorta. <laughs> well, so you're aorta a pansexual, eh? <laughs> Yeah, so I, honestly, I, I do think this is mad. Uh, what I would say is, I believe there was a, a series featuring the character of Anne Boleyn, one of, one of uh, Henry VIII's wives. Right. And a very talented black actress played Anne Boleyn. Of mm. course, Anne Boleyn would never not have been a black woman. No. Um, she played it. And I thought, this is great, because this is a reaffirmation that actors become somebody they're not. Yes. So, surely that's the way to go. Yes. Do you remember that story? Oh, yeah, but try casting me as Nelson Mandela and see what happens. Well, this is, this is what should happen. <laughs> and, and, and somebody that's disabled should be able to become, if special effects allow, yeah. James Bond. <laughs> I'd love to see my son as James Bond. He's disabled. <laughs> Why not? He's probably better open. But I'd rather have people totally miscast for things than having, as you say, that identity politics where... Yeah, no, it's are. all about micromanaging kind of people and putting them... In, in little groups and subsections and boxes according to very shallow ways of looking. Is it also a reminder of how anti-art wokeism is? Yes, because it's, mm. it's seeking it's be, to control the It can't be manage. good for art if you have these very strict quotas. No, because art has to be spontaneous and it has to come... It comes from this other... Although, this yeah. other place. And so these people are trying to... It's not art anymore, really. Mm. It's... Although, let me give one to the wokies, which is the Beatles were disgracefully undiverse. <laughs> Saturday's Sun Now, and we all know childhood obesity is a problem, but these parents might have taken things a bit far, Miriam. So, um, oh, sorry, I've got the wrong... Oh, it's this one. Can I just okay. say that I like to occasionally deliberately confuse you? Ah, uh, <laughs> sorry, yes, you're it's how I the roll. wrong... Uh, yes, so, um... A, uh, YouTube, YouTube parents mm. who forced their six-year-old to compete in a marathon um, uh, despite admitting that, as a six-year-old, he was ready to collapse. So these parents, Ben and Cammie Crawford, made their six-year-old son, Rainer, um, run for 20... 26.2 miles! <laughs> My God! Well, their first crime was calling him Rainer. I think we can agree <laughs> on that. But secondly, I mean, this is child abuse, isn't it? No, that is child no, abuse. Well, there is. I there's would never there's do an that. age limit on marathons. You've got to be 18 to Not run a marathon. And once you get to 18, you can you go nuts. You can do it in a diving suit, whatever you want to do. But okay. a six-year-old running a marathon... But I think the, the point is he was forced. Yeah. And was it to get him to slim down? Uh, it doesn't actually say. He doesn't do, seem to Do we know be... what motivated this? Um, they said that he was motivated by snacks. I mean, I think any six-year-old would be motivated by Just snacks. <laughs> if, if their parent... I mean, my mum used to make me go on 18-mile walks and stuff. But walking isn't the same as a marathon. Did she ever ask you to come back, or <laughs> they should have left me in the French she's countryside? Go out for a walk and just stay there. Go for eighteen miles. See you later. I um, think we've got another. Is there another obesity story knocking about? Uh, yeah, let's have a look at this. Uh, I think this is uh, in relation to, to lockdown. lockdown again. So this thing that was uh, about our health and safety made everyone obese and fat, uh, particularly women. Please don't tell me the measures made Britain sicker. 
<laughs> it says Surely women piled on lives. more. Uh, we were saving less, saving granny. Well, please don't tell me that closing the gyms and keeping fast yeah, and food apparently, open yeah. is a bad thing. Yeah, apparently children's immune systems have been weakened massively because they didn't interact with anybody, which is kind of just logic, isn't it? It really is. And reason. This is where I, where I come in with my catchphrase, Leo, which is well done, everyone. <laughs> isn't it? Well done, everyone. And here we are, two years on. <laughs> With a sicker, more divided and poorer Fat, society. Fatter society. Yeah, and fatter, it turns out. What we need is food shortages. <laughs> Probably do. Sorry. Maybe just offer kids a pig's heart and nothing else. But you either have that or you go to bed. Apparently, so Leicester University researched 938,000 adults and 14% of them, that's quite a lot, became overweight or obese during this two-year period. Very sad. And they were sort of, uh, you know... Eating for emotional comfort. And probably boredom as well. And baking, boredom and baking, yeah. And watching death on the news every day. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, this chap in the Daily Mirror has absolutely killed with his beach body, but in a very unorthodox way, Miriam. Ah, yes. So this man, um, what's his name? He doesn't know. Oh, Dean Goofer, 34, could never get a six pack. We've got some pictures of him. There he is. Oh, wow. It, Look at that's pretty uh, Is that weird. Here comes another no, one. No, it's a tattoo. So he was going to the gym, working out, you know, eating yes. healthy, and it just wasn't happening after a year and a half. He thought, sod this, I'll just get it tattooed onto my chest. So he met up with a tattoo artist, and, and there, there, there's the result. Good luck to him. <laughs> wonder what else you could paint onto your body. Um, someone on... Uh, when he, he released it on TikTok, people said, if you can't tone it, tat it. I quite like that. It's good work, isn't it? I yeah, well, like women, women wear makeup, so I don't see what the difference <laughs> is. <laughs> it's exactly the same level of deception, isn't it? The worst crime ever that I've seen is in um, Georgia Asda. Are you familiar with that brand? I, yes, I am. An excellent clothing range, mm. good quality. I'm a fan. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And what's the fraud? But um, years ago, they had a range of jumpers yeah. with a pretend shirt underneath the jumper. <gasps> and if you actually turned it inside out, it's just the top collar of the shirt stitched in to look like the guy's wearing a shirt on. I hate that. I mean, that puts the tattoo in perspective, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Imagine falling in love with a guy that was that dishonest. <laughs> it's so, not even a real ladies, shirt. if you're watching, always check if it's a real shirt. That's my Dolan tip of the day. Uh, let's move to the Daily Mirror now, and it brings us to a story which is something more akin to Planet of the Apes, Leo. Mm -hmm. Yes, so it was in uh, India, a death trial uh, had to be halted <laughs> after a monkey ran off with the evidence. So it snatched a packet Wait, containing so... 15 objects, including the alleged knife that was used to commit the murder. Uh, <laughs> it had been left under a tree as there was no room to store it at the police station. So I think these, this, this sounds even worse than uh, West Midlands Constabulary in, in terms of handling evidence and uh, dealing with cases. So, uh, and the constable resp responsible for look looking after it had been suspended, then he retired and then he died. So, uh, so they, they, couldn't, uh, they couldn't continue uh, with the, the death trial. I think the monkey point. did more than steal the evidence. Sounds like it to me. <laughs> Let's see if we can manage three in three before we go. The Independent and there's news in the bee world that's causing a buzz, Miriam. Yes, so apparently honeybees can differentiate between odd and even numbers, which I find fascinating. Um, scientists, including those from Monash University, um, basically conduct an experiment where... Oh, I can't explain. Pre so, it's... Well, they're bloody clever, right? They're bloody clever, yeah. 
I mean, it's kind of obvious that they're clever. They aren't clever. They, they make honey. I mean, wasps, clever. wasps have worked out how to sting you without dying. Wasps <laughs> are smarter. And wasp are, wasps are also stupid. Miriam, here's a question for you. Is there any point to studies like this? You know, yeah, like so that we can read it and have a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> that will do. That works for me. I'm in. How about this from the Daily Star, which sounds like the title of a Smith song, Leo? Oh. Heaven knows I'm miserable now. The man with the penis. Is this the man with the penis on his arm? Man with the penis on his arm. Yeah. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Mm. All right. Yeah. So this guy he had a penis on his arm <laughs> instead of a hand, <laughs> and uh, he had it on his arm. For, he lost it in an. He had an infection in his penis. Yeah. And so it had to be removed. Uh, so they stitched it onto his arm to, to give it a blood supply. I've seen this done with other uh, with other. Things. I actually <laughs> uh, had a similar thing done on my leg. They had to swing flesh around over the bone to give it a blood supply to heal after it got run over by a truck. But, um, oh, wow. but yeah, this, this guy, I mean, he's the sort of guy, he, some people wear their heart on their sleeve. This guy <laughs> wears his penis on his arm. No. Yeah, and now he's going on to Tinder. Uh, and he can actually uh, swipe with his uh, penis. No, he can't. It's been reattached. It's in the right place. So, you know, if, if you do go home with them, it's going to be normal sex, not some sort of, you know, hybrid... Um, fist. Um, so, so yeah, now he's back on Tinder and he's, he's looking for love. So if there's anybody out there who wants a 47-year-old mechanic uh, with uh, I, penis I scars... But apparently he has two children. So were they conceived when the penis was on the arm? Or? I Probably not. Probably not, to be honest. Did he just nudge his girlfriend? Yeah. No, fair play to him. It's fantastic that, um, that you know, this, this can be done. And, uh, you know, they can save a penis that's, that's had this severe infection. Couple of seconds on flirting in the Daily Mail, Miriam. Yes, yeah, so it says, are you bad at flirting? And yet, yet again, our favourite people in the world, scientists, <laughs> have something to say about it. Um, so some people are naturally good at flirting oh. and other people aren't, which is a giant scientific breakthrough. <laughs> yeah, of course. Who knew? I, I who knew? Um, oh, God, it goes into so much detail. I mean, is there any... You are a woman of the world, a young woman in her prime. Is It's embarrassing um, when men flirt, isn't it? No. Really? No. You'll take that? Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of which, Leo, you look so gorgeous tonight. Thanks for joining us. I'm back tomorrow at 9, Headliners at 11. See you then. Thanks for listening to Headliners, the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss an episode again. And if you enjoyed it, leave me a nice comment. Speak to you at the same time tomorrow for the paper review that's never boring. 